0: What's up, everybody? Pete Kennedy here of Subway Sports Talk. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to the podcast. I have a podcast app, Spotify, or if you watch on YouTube. Appreciate you so much for taking some time out of your day to listen to what we have to say. And if you can, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. I have a podcast app for Spotify. Subscribe, hit the notification bell on YouTube. Even if you listen on the podcast apps, which is if you're hearing me right now, that's what you're doing Head over to YouTube, leave a comment, head over to Instagram at Subway Sports Talk, leave a comment, send me a message. I love to have the conversations with people who listen to the show and care about this stuff, right? That's what it's all about. We care about our teams. We care about these sports. We have fun with it and we follow it because it's special and it's enjoyable to have exciting sports in our lives. Uh, And in that regard, we do have exciting topic here today. We're talking about the possibilities of the Knicks trading for Donovan Mitchell, three-time All-Star, three years in a row, and the Knicks have a real chance to get this guy. Now, it's not that simple, right? Like some people want to say, do whatever it takes to get Donovan Mitchell. And obviously, I take a whole podcast to, to explain all that. It's never that easy to make a trade, especially when you're talking about stars and picks and maybe sending back a star or whatever, it's complicated, so I'm going to spend some time on that. we got a great topic on that today, uh, but in general, I just wanted to come in before and, and say thanks for listening, as always. like It really does mean the world. When somebody lets me know that they listen to the show or they follow along online and they like this, they like that, they give me their take on who the Knicks should trade for Mitchell or whatever, That brightens up my entire day. It makes all this worthwhile as I love doing this stuff. I'm not stopping anytime soon. So if you like it even a little bit, don't be afraid to get involved. All right. Subway sports talk on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, also on YouTube and all the podcast apps. So don't forget about all that. We also have some words as always from our friends from DraftKings because the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer with tons of ways to bet On all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. If you don't get what that means, your first bet, whatever you put out, $100, $500, $1,000, you lose, you get that chance back to make more bets. You can throw down on all the major action of baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, you have endless betting options. Listen, I am riding the Mets. Always, right now. Come on. I've been riding the Mets and Yankees all year. They've been incredibly successful from a money line standpoint. If you're betting them all year, you are a winner right now. And after the Mets just took two out of three from the Braves, it ain't stopping here LGM, LFGM, if I may. Let's go, Mets. I am riding them whenever I get a chance, especially if they're minus 200 or lower, or if I can get them minus one and a half around that minus 115, or maybe even plus 150, plus 200. You get that every once in a while, and it's exciting. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPM only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions reply. See show notes for details. But now, it's time for the show. We're talking Donovan Mitchell. We're talking Knicks. We're talking a possible blockbuster trade on our hands. Let's get it. subway sports talk dan 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 clear of the closing doors please welcome to subway sports talk my name is peter kennedy and i am your host thank you so much for listening as always on apple Podcasts, have spotify and now on youtube we're here to talk about The Donovan Mitchell trade to the New York Knicks, if it's a good idea, if it's possible, if I think it's going to happen, we have to go through all of it because this is not just a simple, should they do it or should they not? There's moving parts. There's a couple non-starters for me. And then if the trade happens, what does it even look like? And is it worthwhile? Okay, so a lot of things have to be wrapped up here in order to fully understand this subject. Now, the Donovan Mitchell trade obviously has been talked about and rumored for a long time now, but now it's coming to fruition. After Rudy Gobert was moved to Minnesota, it became more and more likely that Danny Ainge, now working with the Jazz, will be more likely to move Donovan Mitchell as well. It's been widely rumored, as Donovan Mitchell is a Mets fan and from the greater New York area, that he would love to play in New York. That's all wonderful. I love that. I love Donovan Mitchell, and I always, always have. However, this is not that simple. In a vacuum, if you can add Donovan Mitchell, you add Donovan Mitchell. But where the Knicks are currently located in their rebuild or their build, whatever you want to call it, there are a lot more moving parts. So first things first, let me get this out of the way. If R.J. Barrett is in this trade, I am out. I am out. And it's not because R.J. Barrett's a better player than Donovan Mitchell. That's not the case. R.J. Barrett is not as good as Donovan Mitchell and probably isn't quite going to be there for a couple more years, if ever. Okay. But if R.J. Barrett goes to Utah or somewhere else in this deal, this deal is done for me. It's a non-starter. I am not sending R.J. Barrett away to bring in Donovan Mitchell. It has nothing to do with Donovan Mitchell specifically, but the whole idea of trading to build a competitive team. Donovan Mitchell's a good player. Jalen Brunson's a good player. You could even argue Donovan Mitchell's a very good or possibly great player. But two 6'1 guards running the show on the New York Knicks without a strong wing and without any other stars around them can get ugly and get ugly quick. Yeah, they might be exciting. They might put up some points in the regular season. But if we're talking about true ceilings and a guy who's making $25 million a year in Donovan Mitchell... The Knicks ceiling isn't that much higher with just Donovan Mitchell than it is with Donovan Mitchell and R.J. Barrett. So if you're going to do this, there better be more moves in the works. And I don't know exactly where those moves are going to be because the assets that it's going to take to get Donovan here, even with R.J. Barrett, is going to be a lot. And then those assets are gone. That means a couple picks, RJ, some more cap filler that will likely include the likes of Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Clickley, or Cam Reddish, who people probably don't care about that much. But this needs to be a build together situation here where RJ is a part of the future, where RJ is the two or the three on this team. Perhaps he has the chance to grow into a 1B. I don't think we're all holding out hope that RJ is going to be a 1A in this league. He's going to be a true leading superstar. But if you send RJ to Utah, and then that is now the new core, Donovan, Brunson, Randall, and Mitch, what is that team? A play-in team? Maybe a 5-6 seed? Maybe. Don't get ahead of yourselves, Knicks fans, right? So if this is the case where R.J. Barrett has to be involved in this trade for the Utah Jazz, I'm out. It is not worth it, and it's not pushing the Knicks to the ultimate ground of being a true title contender type of team. A team that expects to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. A team that expects to be competing in the second round every single year. If R.J. Barrett's gone, they lose a major chunk of what would make this team whole. In that case, I'd much rather stand pat, take the offseason we had right now, keep building in minor marginal ways, and let our players grow, and wait for the next opportunity to get somebody, albeit in free agency, draft, or a trade. But by sending RJ back, you send yourself back. So that's what I wanted to get out of the way first things first. I don't know where you guys feel about that. I don't know how you feel about RJ Barrett. But the way I look at it is if you want this to be a whole team that is not expected to be a play in team, but a playoff team, all three of these guys need to be there together. Brunson, Mitchell, Randall, uh, Barrett, sorry. Without that, you're running out of steam quick. You're running out of defense quick. You're running out of young pieces and picks quick. You're running out of quickly, quickly Emmanuel, (laughs) because it's just this team if you, if you just look into your mind here and picture Mitchell and Brunson, the offense is so fun. That defense is not very fun. Uh Mitch Robinson's gonna have to clean up a whole lot. Randall's gonna have to play inspired basketball. And Fournier, is he the starting three? That ain't getting you very far. All right. So the option of trading RJ or waiting for the next thing, I'm taking waiting for the next thing every time. It's not one-to-one, but when the Knicks traded for Carmelo Anthony, they, they sent out so many role players, so many key contributors to winning basketball that it was tough to build a winner and a sustainable will, winner around Carmelo Anthony. This is not one-to-one. The way these trades work today is not how they worked in 2010. The picks are key, and I think that's where we can now flip to the jazz side of things and feel a little bit better about the possibilities of keeping RJ in New York with Mitchell, with Brunson, etc. If you think about what the jazz did in the Rudy Gobert trade, as this was broken out by Brian Winhorst on ESPN, the guy who just has it all figured out now, he's the guy this summer. It's a Windhorst summer. He broke it down perfectly. Think about what the Jazz got in that trade. Everyone said, oh, they got all this stuff. This is amazing. What a haul for the Jazz. The Timberwolves, what are you doing? Is your ceiling really going to get to where it needs to be? But what did the Jazz get that was all that special? It was all those picks. It was unprotected picks. They didn't really care about the players they received in this trade, if you really think about it. A lot of it was young players who were flyers. It was Patrick Beverly. It was Jared Vanderbilt, who's a nice player, but he ain't no star. This team is tanking. This team is trying to lose. What's the timeline purpose of the Utah Jazz getting R.J. Barrett on the squad? Unless they're getting him to try to flip him for more picks or more something else in the future, all he's going to do is go out there and ball his ass off and try to win as many games as possible because we know, as New York fans and Knicks fans here, that that's what R.J. Barrett does. It doesn't mean that he's a walking playoff or play-in appearance by himself. He's not that dude. But if you're tanking, that's not a guy you want on your team. Not at this point. Not how he's been getting better every single time. And I think that bodes well for the Knicks. Because maybe the Jazz aren't going to say, like they would if they were trying to compete, that it has to be R.J. Barrett or else wear out right just how i'm here saying if rj barrett's in i'm out the jazz are not saying hopefully in this scenario if rj's not in they're out right very very uh, slim line here that has to be walked by both sides cuz so i'm sure they're going to ask it's a good asset for them it's somebody they can trade for another first round pick but what's more valuable what's more uh feasible for a franchise let's trade for this soon-to-be-paid-a-lot-of-money star who we have to trade again now in six months? Or let's just get one of these Knicks picks in the first place. They got eight of them that are tradable. And that is correct. The Knicks have eight tradable picks right now. Eight. They have four of their own. In uh, the NBA, you can only trade your first-round pick every other year. So 23, 25, 27, 29. They can trade all four of those picks. They have Dallas's pick in 23, lightly protected. They got a Washington pick, lottery protected in 23. The protections get lower as you go there. Detroit protected for 23, 1 through 18. It gets lower from from there on out. And then Milwaukee in 2025, lightly protected as well. That's eight picks that they can get. Maybe Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz are looking down in Oklahoma City, seeing what Sam Presti and the Thunder are doing. Everyone started making jokes and also respecting what Sam Presti and the Thunder were doing. Oh, they have all these picks. What are they going to do with all these picks? Go look at the Thunder roster now. Go look at it. They got Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a very, very good young player. Josh Giddy, a young player we're super excited about. Lou Dort, another player off the scrap heap who's a real dude in this league. Now they bring in Chet Holmgren, a guy who could have been a number one pick in the NBA draft. Along with all three other first-round picks, Usman Jang. They traded into the next slot. Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams again. All these dudes look like players, right? Now we're starting to see the path for the Thunder to get competitive again, to get interesting. If I'm the Utah Jazz, what's more enticing to you? Not a Utah Jazz fan, by the way. Let's not talk about a Utah Jazz fan. I don't care about what they feel right now because neither does Danny Ainge, let me tell you. If we learned anything about Danny Ainge and his tenure with the Boston Celtics, He don't care what you feel. He's not looking at the fans for opinions, for advice. Danny Ainge is doing what he thinks is best for a franchise to compete for a title. All right? And if they trade for R.J. Barrett, what is that doing for them? What's it doing? Maybe four to eight more wins? Something like that? Instead of going for 30 wins, they go for 36 wins or something along that line, something in the nature of that. What's that doing for them, right? Uh, Again, unless they're looking to flip RJ in the next six months, what is the point of them getting that, getting that player to help them win more games this year? There ain't no point. And, And if a jazz fan comes out here on Twitter and starts complaining, we need RJ Barrett or we're out, Danny Ainge don't care. Danny Ainge, will make this team as bad as possible. And he's going to try to get a Vic Victor Webin the big French man who is athletic as hell and can actually do something with the basketball. Unlike the jazz, former French man. All right. And if that's the case, you don't want RJ Barrett on your team because that dude grinds. That dude will help them win five to eight more games next year. So that's the hope right now for me is that the jazz are looking at this RJ Barrett thing and saying, you know what? honestly, Is that really what we're looking for? Do we really want a young guy who is almost due up for a contract extension who's going to play his ass off and maybe win some games for no freaking reason? That's the hope. That's the hope. Now, on the flip side, you talk about Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly. Yeah, those are young players with upside, but none of them are proven enough to flip games. None of them are proven enough to add that over the course of a season. Those are the types of flyers you want to get. If quickly all of a sudden then shows up and is scoring 24 points a game because he's unleashed for the first time in his career, that's a cheap asset they got for nothing. Well, for something, obviously, for Donovan Mitchell. But they don't have to worry as bad. Huge trade trip. Doesn't have to get paid for another two years. They don't have to worry about it. R.J. Barrett's going to get paid a year before quickly. and, And then what? The Jazz are paying R.J. Barrett? He's going to match. He might accept the qualifying offer. He probably don't want to be there, right? So what are they trying to do? What's their end goal? Is it tank for Wabanyama? Is it just get a bunch of assets and see what happens next? Danny Ainge has a plan. He don't care what the fans think. I don't think he has time for what R.J. Barrett's going to bring to the Knicks. I'm to the Jazz. I'm sorry. So that's my hope. That's my belief is as a possibility there that they're not even that interested in R.J. Cause we can have a conversation and be honest with each other right now and talk about how RJ Barrett may not be that dude that he may just be a really good starter or a good starter, right? He might not ever make an all-star team, but with a crew around him with the ability to uh, get better year over year, like he's proven now three years into his career, there's a reason to believe he's a part of a winner. But is he the face of the rebuild in Utah? I don't see it personally. So what has to happen for this trade to be possible? What has to happen for this trade to be uh, accepted, right? If you pull up the old trade machine on ESPN and, and start clicking through what we're working with here, right? we got we got some possibilities here where you need to fill out some dollars. So Donovan Mitchell's on this $30 million a year contract here where that number has to be, uh, within 125%. So to explain that in more layman's terms, because I don't even know exactly what that means. This, this group of Knicks that is getting sent over to Utah has to be within the 25% range of the, uh, what the jazz are sending over. So in this case, I have currently Derek Rose, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly. That's approximately 26, 27 million right there. That'll get the job done, trade successful, right? But if you take out Derrick Rose and you're just saying, oh, we'll just send over the young guys, Obi Toppin and and Quickly and and Cam Reddish and all the picks in the world, trade failed. That's not going to get the job done. Now you think about who the Knicks have on this roster here and you got Julius Randle at 23, Evan Fournier at 18, Derrick Rose at 14, RJ Barrett at 10. That's it. One of those guys has to go. Physically, they have to go in this trade to make the money work. So that's where it gets a little bit tricky here for the Knicks to actually complete this thing. Because just like R.J. Barrett, what the hell are the Jazz doing with Evan Fournier right now? The Derrick Rose thing makes sense because they can probably buy that out. They can probably afford to move off of that or send him to some sort of contender for a second round pick and some BS, right? That makes sense. Fournier, what are you doing? 18 million, two years remaining. Yeah. There's a team option on the end of that thing, but what are they doing with that? So that's where I'm a little bit stuck on the actual logistics of this trade here. But if this is a, if this is the case where the Knicks are now going to go all in on making this trade, and all these picks are involved anywhere from three to five picks, perhaps over the next five years, we're going to have to say goodbye to a really good backup point guard and Emmanuel quickly shooting guard, whatever you want to call him, a promising young player and Obi Toppin and Cam Reddish. You probably guys don't, don't care about too much. I don't particularly care that much either, uh, but nonetheless, he has to go. He has to go. And if you want to get really frisky with it, you know, maybe you take away, an Obi top and you got to add in a Quentin Grimes. I don't think any Knicks fan wants to do that either. Right? So it's not that simple to say, yo, do whatever it takes. Go get Donovan Mitchell. Well, I already stated very clearly how doing whatever it takes is not how I'm looking at this trade. RJ Barrett off the table for me. Right? None of these other young guys are truly off the table and it depends on the other picks that are going in and out, but you have to beware of trading for a star who's not a top five, top 10 player in the NBA, right? Donovan Mitchell's probably somewhere around 20, not five or 10. If you're going to trade for one of those guys, who's a small dude, you need other players. You need role players. And if now Grimes, McBride, uh, Quickly, Toppin, Reddish, a bunch of these dudes are gone. Where's this team filling out? Where's our young talent? Where's our future? Because again, Donovan Mitchell's young. Donovan Mitchell's in a place where he has room to grow. He has a, a a path to get even better, right? To get better as a playmaker, to get better at a couple different aspects of his game, be more locked in on defense, be a better leader. He will, he will do better with a guy like Jalen Brunson on his team offensively because he's never really had a true second scorer who can also facilitate with him in Utah. If you think about his success in Utah, it's been with uh, a Joe Ingles, who's running secondary playmaker. He's not a true scorer by himself, but he playmakes well, he shoots well. Mike Conley, the one year he was healthy, they were both awesome, right? When Mike Conley's not healthy, and it's Donovan Mitchell, and then off the bench, Jordan Clarkson, and maybe some young scrappy guard uh, who's coming in to try to make some plays, it got a little weird last year. The offense wasn't looking that hot for Utah and he had to do a whole lot to keep them afloat. That's what you want to avoid. If you're going to bring him in, because like I just explained, he's not a top five player. He does not make up for all these other shortcomings for a roster. When you're trading for a Kevin Durant, you're trading for even a Jimmy Butler for that matter. They fill up so many holes on your roster just by being there by being on defense, by playmaking, by scoring, by being the go-to guy in crunch time, right? There are all these different things that they bring to the table day in, day out, and in the playoffs. Donovan Mitchell is not quite one of those guys. He's on the precipice. He'll make some more all-star teams in his day. And goddamn, if he's averaging 25-5-5 five, and five like he has, he'll be making a lot of all-star teams here in New York. But for what? For a six seed? For an eight seed and a play in berth? That's not as exciting as it seems. You think about getting an all-star into New York, we need one. You think about getting a guard into New York, we just got one, we need another one. Especially one who's made an all-star team already in Donovan Mitchell. Of course it's needed, but you have to beware of what you give up in order to get a guy who's not top five who's not top 10, but might be top 20. It's a big difference. And if you start trading assets, like you're trading for Kevin Durant, that's where your franchise gets into trouble down the road. I don't expect anything to happen to go sour. If, if Mitchell came here, like he would leave again, and then we have no picks and we have no players and the team sucks and we're screwed. I don't expect that to happen, but it's something to be aware of if you can't fill a roster around him. All right. so. That's kind of a lot to take in right there, I know. But let's let's think about this again. Let's go back to the basics to wrap this thing up. For me, R.J. Barrett is off the table. Don't want him in this trade. In fact, if he has to be in this trade, I am out on this trade. I think if he has to go to Utah, R.J. Barrett, then there's no need to bring in Donovan Mitchell. Let's keep pushing that tire down the road. Let's keep building in other ways. Let's keep waiting for the next Donovan Mitchell to want out. that maybe we don't have to send RJ Barrett again, right? Because I think it's imperative to have a guy like him on a team from a culture standpoint, from a growth standpoint, from a play style standpoint where he can take some pressure off playmakers. His shooting has been getting better and better. He plays hard-nosed defense. You can't ask much more from a borderline all-star third best player on a team you really can't what you can ask more from is your best player on a team if that's donovan mitchell you're gonna ask for more you're gonna say why are you taking so many shots on occasion you're gonna say can you just play make a little bit more be a lead facilitator a little bit more can you feel locked in on defense a little more frequently?" Can you not get oversized by some wings you get matched up with or some big guards? Can you not shoot 33% from three for this two-month stretch? Right, like These are things that happen through the tier that Donovan Mitchell is in. And I'm not trying to knock him specifically. He's an awesome, awesome player that I'd love to have on the New York Knicks, but the price is key. So you have to figure out what the Jazz want. What the Jazz need. How many picks is too many picks for this guy? How many players is too many players for this guy? There's a floor of what type of play or how many players have to go, depending on who goes, right? If it's Julius Randle for Donovan Mitchell for some reason, yeah, sure, let's go. I don't think the Jazz are doing that either. And guess what? That's not a very tradable contract. So it doesn't make much sense, does it? Same for Evan Fournier. That's why the window is very small. And Derek Rose, who I love dearly, may end up having a go in this one. And it'll be Rose, Reddish, Toppin, quickly. It'll be sad to see them go, but we'll be happy to see Mitchell arrive. That crew has to be together, though. Brunson, Mitchell, Barrett, Randall, Robinson. When you put that five out there, you feel good about yourselves. Where does that leave them in the Eastern Conference? Not as good as Milwaukee. Not as good as Boston. Not as good as Miami. Not as good as Philly. Maybe in that range right there with the Hawks at the five spot, the six spot. That's the range. So if you're going to make this trade, you're going to mortgage a big chunk of your future. You have to be aware that that's the end game possibility off Donovan Mitchell and Brunson and Barrett and Randall being your core and Robinson. That still could be the core. That still could be the ceiling for them. As a Knicks fan who hasn't seen many playoff series in my life, I would love to have a team that makes it every year, a team in the race every single year. We'll get that if this trade goes through. We will. We might be building there anyway in the next two years. So what's the cost? My take, if you can do Rose, Toppin, Quickly, Randall, I'm sorry, Quickly uh, and Reddish and some picks, you got to go for it. You got to send it. You got to take this risk. You got to mortgage a portion of your future and get in an all-star guard who we have had so few of in our history. You got to go for that. You have to also expect and accept where that ceiling might lie because Donovan Mitchell is fantastic. But what happens when we go up against Giannis? What happens when we got Jimmy Butler and the heat looking down our throats? What happens when Tatum and Brown are going off in a playoff series? Is Mitchell going to hang with those guys? We've seen him do some things in the playoffs. We've seen him have incredible series. And the one thing I will give him the utmost benefit of the doubt He has never had true offensive talent, like true offensive talent around him. You think about that jazz offense, when it was cooking, it was a lot of um, system, ball movement, and shooting. Pretty simple, right? A good system, good motion, good movement, Rudy Gobert setting six screens, Joe Ingles being the secondary playmaker, Conley when he was healthy doing the same. But that's not an elite talent. That wasn't an offense that got better when crunch time came around. It wasn't an elite offense that turned up to a new level when they hit the playoffs. Mitchell hit his new level against the Nuggets that one series in the bubble when him and Jamal Murray were throwing blows back and forth. But that's never been an elite offense, never with elite talent around him. Here's the problem. If he joins the Knicks with Brunson Barrett, Randall and Robinson, is that elite offensive talent? Is that enough to take the pressure off Mitchell to let him truly uh, spread those wings and fly? I'm not quite sure. Depends what Randall we got. Depends if Mitch uh, adds some stuff to his offensive game. It depends if those three other guys can play together. It makes sense to me that Brunson and Mitchell can truly share as guys who can play on and off the ball. Throw in Barrett on and off the ball. It makes sense, but is it elite? can it hang when Giannis Middleton and holiday are cooking Brown and Tatum cooking. If Bam Adebayo goes up a level on offense and him and Jimmy are cooking or Embiid is cooking in the post, are they there? Are they on that level? It's a risk I'm willing to take. It's a risk that I think's worth taking. The Knicks have lived in this world of the star will come. The next free agent is going to choose New York. The next trade chip will be available soon. We're going to be in that race. We're going to get that guy. And now we're sitting here going into 2022-23 season with Donovan Mitchell just at 25 years old. About to be 26 during next season. He's made three straight all-star appearances. 26, 5, and 4 were the averages last season. He's never been injured. It's a risk you take. It's a guy you go and get. And you figure out more as you continue on. But Barrett can't be a part of this deal. Tell me what y'all think about this trade. I want to know cuz I think it's really easy for somebody to come out here and say, "Yo, do whatever it takes. You got to get Mitchell. He's available. He wants to be here. We got to get him." Can't say whatever it takes. Cuz the way this team looks if Barrett gets sent out versus the team that will be uh will be here if Barrett stays very very different. Cuz 261 guards playing in New York, yeah, we'll love them. If they're scrappy and they fight, we'll love them. They'll let the sparks fly on occasion. They'll get their punches in. But the ceiling is higher if Barrett remains in town. The utmost importance to remain with R.J. Barrett as a New York Nick. So that's all I got. I want to hear what you guys would say. Let me know what you think about the trades. Who's got to go? Who's got to stay in your opinion? How many picks is too many picks? And can Donovan Mitchell be one of the dudes on a team that is consistently expected to be in the conference finals and beyond? It's a question we have to ask ourselves. If Mitchell doesn't end up a Nick, a part of me will be upset. But a bigger part of me will understand that it's not the be-all, end-all. It's not the end of the world. And there's an option of making that trade that ends up worse than not making that trade. All right. So if Barrett's out of the trade, I'm back in, but if he's in, I'm out. So thank y'all for listening. I appreciate it. Always for you guys tuning in on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts and now on YouTube, please share this stuff. We appreciate you so much for, for checking us out for listening. If you share your thoughts in the comments here on YouTube or wherever you are listening to this, I want to hear it. Hit me on Twitter at Pete Kennedy, two Wise on the end, or at Subway Sports Talk. That's T-L-K on Twitter, and then Subway Sports Talk spelt out on Instagram and TikTok. Because listen, this is this is a tricky situation. You don't get in this situation very frequently to have an all-star on the trading block whose number one city is your team. Number one city is your team. I'm wearing my Mets hat because Donovan Mitchell's a huge Mets fan, huge uh, Mets series win against the Braves this week. It's a lot. I've been kicking this one around. I don't know if maybe I just talked in a circle for 30 minutes, but that's how I feel. It's it's a tough, tough decision. But right now, Leon Rose, I trust. I don't know why, but I do. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll talk soon. Cheers.